episode of The B-Side, a spin-off podcast of the Film Stage show for the Film Stage website. Happy 2019 to all those listening. It's a new year. It's a new subject for this podcast. We're keeping it classic, though, with our guests. It's me, Dan Mecca, your host with the podcast producer and frequent guest, Connor O'Donnell. How are you, Connor? I am just fine. And today we're talking about a guy, an actor that we've been wanting to talk about since we started this podcast. When we were talking about doing this podcast, we were talking about um, people like Keanu Reeves, people like Hugh Jackman, people we've covered already. And this guy was another person that kept coming up. And a lot of his movies are ripe for this type of discussion. The guy is Denzel Washington himself. And... We're going to keep it pretty traditional today because we're talking about a period of time, kind of the way that it was initially, this whole podcast was initially set up. And the period of time we're talking about is right after his first Oscar, right after Glory, which came out in December of 1989. He won an Oscar, a Best Supporting Actor Oscar. And then he made four movies in a row from 1990 through uh, into 1992 before Malcolm X came out in the winter of, or late fall rather, of 1992. There are four movies in between, and those movies are in order. Get ready. Heart Condition, Mo Better Blues, Ricochet, and Mississippi Masala. And what a weird four <laughs> uh, they are. Ooh, boy. I'm and, so excited. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so we always knew that these were, this was the period we wanted to do. Um, and I guess kind of like Tom Cruise, he doesn't have a lot of B-sides. He's made more... To, to his credit. Yeah, yeah, he's made more movies than Tom Cruise has. Um, and they've never worked together, and it almost happened a couple times. I think we brought that up on the uh, Tom Cruise pod. But yeah, he's got a pretty stellar track record, even from the beginning, right? If you even look, you know, if you're listening and you're, you have a box office mojo or a IMDb up, you'll see... You know, he makes a, you know, so he's insane elsewhere, right, in the 80s, which that was really his breakout as much as he was a TV star. Handsome Doctor on a show about doctors uh, with, I think, you know, you have Howie Mandel's in that show. I, my mom loved that show, right? Like, that's that, what, what was that show, right? I think yeah. Mandy Patinkin was in, or that might have been Chicago Hope, but one of those I shows. I think you're just confusing shows. That yeah, Julie, no, it that was that George Julie Clooney. Mechelos. Was George Clooney in it? Yeah, we're talking about ER now. <laughs> But so, you know, in 81, he makes a movie called Carbon Copy, which is kind of like a broad comedy with George Siegel. Um, but then even, right, 84 is the next movie. So that's the St. Ellsworth time. He's on a TV schedule. But it's a soldier story. And I believe he's nominated for an Oscar for that, the Norman Jewison movie. Right. So point is, from the yeah. jump, he's making really uh, interesting choices. You have power, um, which is, uh, I think we brought a very briefly on the Richard Gere episode where Richard Gere is the star and he has a supporting role. Denzel has a supporting role in that. And actually it's kind of like a semi villain in that movie, which is, you know, interesting, uh, in its own way. Cry Freedom, which he definitely earned an Oscar nomination for. Uh, I believe he plays, uh, Stephen Biko in that movie. Um, and that's a Richard Attenborough picture. The Mighty Quinn, not a lot of people saw it. It's a crime uh, movie, but it's like a lighthearted crime movie written by uh, the guy who wrote Blade Runner. I don't know if you knew that, The Mighty Quinn. Oh, really? Yeah, written by, uh, uh, let's find his name. Hampton Fancher. Ham thank you, Hampton yeah. Fancher. Uh, good movie, The Mighty Quinn. He's got, a, I believe, a Jamaican accent in that movie. 
and he's got he's just he's he's firing on all cylinders. And so that's eighty nine, right? So this that's right. So that before, took him right up to that's to right the before what we're about to talk about. Because um, then you have for Queen and Country, which is a small movie, and then Glory, of course. Um, which is the Edwards of Wick picture that gets him his first Oscar. Right. Great movie. Um, Glory. It's a different movie, but <laughs> I couldn't help myself. And, um, and then, yeah, and then, you know, so that's it. I mean, his 80s, I guess my point is, not unlike a Tom Cruise to some degree, he really, like, when he got in, he got in he, quick. Yeah. And, and he, was a star early. Yeah, it was just on a, and like, you it was know. just... On a roll. Yeah. Like, I mean, basically, yes. I, I mean, kind of movies, a- after the period that we're about to talk about, I feel like. like, Yeah. The, uh, the one difference being, if you're looking at the box office receipts, that's not the same. Because he did not have a Top Gun, right? Like right. Tom Cruise, it was like risky business and Top Gun early, and they were monster hits. Right. Zell's movies, they're more, in the 80s even, they're smaller. They don't gross a whole lot. Any of them, really. You know, Soldier Story and Glory do well, but they're like respected movies. He's the best part of yeah. most of them, if not all of them. And so there you have it. Well, now, I think the respect thing is a, is a thing, right? Like if you're going to compare the two, right? Like Zell comes out of the gate and he, everyone immediately takes him seriously. You know, like he's like, he just kind of is there and he's a force to be reckoned with. Totally. Whereas Tom Cruise is a little bit more of a movie star in terms of like he's there and people are like, yeah, we like watching his movies, but it's not, he's not as immediately sort of taken completely seriously. No, I feel like. No. Yeah. And I think that's important. That is an important difference. Um, and then, but I guess what's interesting, and we were talking about this before we started recording. Now, I guess quickly before I even jump into this, you know, Denzel, we know about Denzel, but from Mount Vernon, um, born in 1954, just turned as we're recording, um, on New Year's Eve 2018, he just turned 64. So, you know, been around a long time. His son, John David Washington, is looking at a potential Oscar nomination yeah. for Black Klansman, with, which is a Spike Lee movie. We're going to talk about Mo Betta Blues, which is Denzel's first movie with Spike Lee, the first of four. Um, and those four are Mo Betta, Malcolm X, He Got Game, and of course, Inside Man. All all very uh, very good movies. And all different. Very different. Yeah. Very different performances, very different movies. Um, yeah, very interesting collaboration. And very cool that obviously Spike Lee has now worked with his son, with uh, Denzel's son. So um, kind of interesting all around. Yeah, so like we said, kind of comes up, um, is doing theater, you know, um, is doing different things. Gets a break, what, in his mid-20s, basically. Um, gets seen elsewhere, gets these movies. Gets an Oscar by, basically, his mid-30s, right? He's an Oscar winner. And that's that's where we're at with these movies. Basically, mid to late 30s is when he becomes the movie star that we now know. And I would argue these four movies are kind of that beginning with then you have... I think 92, 93 being when he's full Denzel, because that's Malcolm X and the Pelican Brief, right? So it's like, it's Oscar Denzel and blockbuster star Denzel, because, you know, Pelican Brief is his first $100 million movie with Julia Roberts. Right. And Malcolm X is a a moment, a cultural moment. You know, he doesn't win the Oscar, but goddamn, I mean, that performance is unbelievable. I mean, so uh, this is right before that. So let's just jump into it. Heart Condition. 
Wow. Oh, oh boy. Wow. Yeah. I, okay. So right when we like initially kind of started talking about doing a Denzel episode and we figured out these are the movies, I basically, with the exception of uh, Ricochet, these were all kind of blind spots for me in his filmography. So I just jumped right in and I rented Heart Condition and uh, it's just one of those movies. <laughs> and I said, I said this to you at one point. It, and I don't know if this is actual, I, either I read this or what, so forgive me if this is untrue, but it feels, if it's not true, it certainly feels like a movie that was made and then shelved, and then he makes glory and wins. And I think it came out technically before he won his Oscar for glory. Like, I think it came out, like... In January, yeah, the release date um, is February second, right. nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess kind of like a Norbity thing, right? Right. That's kind of what I, yeah. And it's so it just it feels like a movie that like sneaks under the radar before he's like acclaimed actor. That's an interesting point. Yeah, Denzel it literally Wa- came out. It literally came out six weeks after Glory. Right. Yeah. So it fe- it feels like a movie that was like made at the same time or made before. And he's just trying, he's trying out all the things, right? And like, he, you know, it, it, and by all the things, I mean all the things. Like, if you haven't seen this movie, it's bananas. And how this about this? And, like, how, and how about this for interesting? February 2nd weekend in 1990, number one in its eighth week at the box office is still Driving Miss Daisy, oh. which is about to win Best Picture. Yeah. And beat do the right thing. Right. And now obviously as we're speaking you have this weird thing happening where Green Book might right. get nominated for best picture and, and Spike, uh, has Spike has Black another Cl- another Black movie that probably with John David Washington yeah. kind of strange. Yeah. This movie Stella is second. I don't know that I've ever even heard of this movie Stella. It's a bet Midler movie. Um and well, then, we'll talk about that on the Bette Midler pod, for <laughs> sure. I'd love to do for a Bette Midler pod. Sure. Talk about the rose. Born on the 4th of July, Tom Cruise picture. Right. Tango in Cash in its 7th week. Um, flashback, another movie that I don't know if I've ever heard of. Kiefer Sutherland movie with Dennis Hopper. Wow. And then, um, point being, Heart Condition, number nine in its debut with only 2.1 million. So, yeah. you know, didn't make a lot. Made 4 million all told. Um, okay. So, this movie's premise. Why don't you <laughs> So, tell us this about movie, it? like, when I say it's a lot, it's just a lot. It sounds like it was, it sounds like one of those movies that was like three movies and then someone was like let's just make it all one movie but uh basically bob hoskins plays a racist cop fresh off of um roger who framed roger rabbit yeah uh and and so yeah he plays this racist cop who uh is his his ex-girlfriend is like basically like a like a you know sort of reformed sex worker. Well, essentially, I, I right? guess, I that guess she's reformed. It's like she, she's like still doing she's it. Like when a the movie kind starts. of she's like an a soon to be ex hooker with the heart of gold type of yeah, a character. It's a, Chloe, I think her name yeah, is Chloe Webb. I believe the dynamics in this are weird, but like basically, Bob Hoskins' girlfriend is a sex worker. Um, and he's a cop, right? And well, he's and he's a vice cop, so right. yeah. You so know, it's a whole he's, whole he's thing. Hanging, he's you know, and she basically prior to the start of the movie, she has left him. Yes, and uh, she has gotten involved since gotten involved with Denzel Washington, who is a lawyer representing. Yeah, and her, I guess I guess the implication. Uh, among a million other things, the way this movie starts is so strange because it opens in a way where. 
it opens like you should know everything. Yeah, no, it's so like weird. all of a sudden he's in a car. Bob Hoskins is in a car. Um, Mooney is his name, and he sees another car, yeah. and he's like stone. And then this car chase happens, right. and his Bob Hoskins partner is like reprimanding him because he's breaking all these laws, going after this car. And then at some point, you you see Denzel, and you're like, okay, he obviously hates Denzel. But then we learn that like. There's not a legal reason. It's just that he hates Denzel because he uh, is sleeping with his ex-girlfriend right. slash hooker, yeah. whoever she is. Um, and and then, but then Denzel, the, like the first thing he does is slap her. Yeah, it's it's so mean. It's so and then it's bizarre. and then they take Denzel down to the to the. Does police he, station. Does he slap and then her? You, yeah, he hits well, no, no, but no, no, one I, of the women. I remember I that, but does he slap her because... There's a he, justification for it, I believe, in, later on in the yeah, movie. Like, like an hour and a half later <laughs> on in the movie. But what I said about this movie... So basically, um, that's the introduction. Denzel is sleeping with Bob Hoskins' ex-girlfriend. And then, you know, Bob Hoskins wants to bring this guy... Napoleon Stone yeah, is his what name. Leon name? Stone. Yeah, um, yeah. And... Um, yeah, yeah, that's Denzel's character's name. And um they but you know, nothing's gonna stick. He gets suspended because he breaks a million laws. He like shoots at his at like Denzel's car. Yeah, it's like it, it's insane. Yeah. Anyway, so Bob Hoskins gets in a lot of trouble and 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 is like so racist. He's like throwing yeah. the N-word around. No, it's 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 nuts. really it's, nuts. Um, it's like he's like he's like Vic Morrow in the Twilight Zone movie. And it well <laughs> and it's yeah, but with and but here this this is what I thought. I wrote this is my first note actually. The balls on this movie's the balls on this movie are huge. And I wrote that because <laughs> he says the N-word to his black police captain yeah. in reference to Napoleon Stone, Denzel yeah. Washington. Gets in trouble, gets like semi suspended or whatever it is. Right. And then two minutes later, like music cues dictate you to feel as though you're to feel bad yeah, for it's Bob Hoskins. So strange. Because he's our hero. Yeah. So, one, no, right? Yeah. No, you're a bigoted piece of shit, right? Yeah. So that's like one, <laughs> I'm not going to feel that bad for you. Your girlfriend broke up with you, like, which is not, it's just a part of life. Like, deal right. with it. And then. Right, and we get into sort of the titular part of the movie. <sighs> Bob Hoskins, he's Bob Hoskins. He's not healthy. Well, when they establish, he's like, way, yeah, Hoskins. amazing yeah. actor. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> fantastic. I love. I and I'll also say this, and this is honestly, uh, this is it. Not meant to be a backhanded compliment. I appreciate this about Bob Hoskins. I love that he never mastered the American accent. Yeah, that in every movie yeah. he just is kind of a version. He's of a his little accent. better in, in Roger Rabbit. No, but it's but it's noir. Yeah. So I think it's like it's like. It's better because it's, it's put on. It's put on. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. go, continue. No, no. Tell but us. Basically, so, okay. So he Ugh. gets suspended, uh, should basically be fired, never be allowed to work anywhere, but whatever. And he's, you know, he's not a healthy man. He's, you know, he smokes, he drinks. Quick correction. He was not nominated for a soldier story. Yeah. Okay. But I, he yeah. was nominated for Cry, Cry Freedom. Freedom. Yep. Denzel. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Continue. Sorry. Uh, so basically, um, basically Hoskins has a heart attack and, and they establish he's like eats and smokes yeah and drinks he's, and he's not like, a healthy man yeah, killing and that's the other thing it's like i'm not gonna feel bad for the bigoted piece of shit who loses his job for dropping the n-word right and i'm not gonna really feel bad for the person who has a heart attack because they drink and they smoke and they eat cheeseburgers every yeah. day it's like ah, 
is okay. Well, no, and he uh, knows. I mean, yeah. he's like, he's, you know, he's it's catching up with he's him. He's chasing the devil. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, his yeah. whole, yeah. I mean. So he uh, has a heart attack simultaneously, okay, uh, because... Uh, Denzel is, yeah, because is involved of this, with this, uh, this woman. Yeah, there's this uh, nefarious thing what is happening. What's your fucking name, by the way? No, 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 I'll get it. I'll get yeah. it. But yeah, there's this thing. Basically, part of the Napoleon Stone thing is that, and I suppose I just I, I suppose you're meant to know this is Hoskins thinks, and I and I and I guess is right that something shady is going on with this lawyer, along with him also being the guy who took his girl. Yeah, and. So whilst Hoskins Mooney is having a heart attack, Denzel Washington is murdered. Murdered, right. Right. And, and so what happens? And so basically... They're at the hospital turns, at the same time. Turns out they got the same blood type. The Bob hearts Hos- a match. Bob Hoskins needs a heart. Whose heart does he get? Denzel Washington. The heart of a black man. Yep. Can you imagine? Oh, no. What would that be like? Um... Bob Hoskins was just your normal guy. Uh, It's just... But... It's so brazen. But wait. It is so brazen. There's more. It's too much more. (laughs) So then he proceeds to be haunted by the ghost of Denzel Washington as they spend the rest of the movie essentially, A, trying to make sure that the woman that they both love is okay. Well, and to solve, and so B, to solve yeah, to, the murder, to, to save this, to save the woman they both yeah. love, and to solve the murder of um, Napoleon Stone, right? Yeah. Who who is who is dead? Oh. Now, I don't, I I don't really want to get into the ghost mechanics of this movie because it's so insane. I can't even begin. No, it has like, no rules. There's no rules. No, yeah, like the only rule sense. is that it's, I guess yeah, he so can. He, the only rule is I suppose that Zell can touch Bob Hoskins but nobody else right but they don't even really esta- they do establish it in that Denzel knows he can- oh by the way as I say this there is a third act twist in this movie that oh, is yeah. so just I use the word brazen I'll use it again well, it's, it's, it's so brazen yeah. yeah with 20 minutes left in the picture yep. 20 minutes left <laughs> in the movie um, our female <laughs> Our female lead, Chloe Webb, I mentioned her before. Her name's Crystal. Crystal Garrity. Crystal Garrity is her name. (laughs) Who I actually thought did a fabulous job given what what she was given. Yeah, I know. And and she was, you know her. She's got character. Chloe Webb, you would know her. She was was in a bunch of stuff. Um, Anyway, she's been very cagey about things. Basically, what you learn is there's this drug scenario happening that Napoleon Stone was involved in or or kind of zeroing in on which is why he died and 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 crystal um in all of her time as a prostitute um has all of these rolls of film that she gives to bob hoskins as like a just in case and yeah. they're all in a fishbowl yeah. there's a cat in this movie great performance by the cat by the way i will just say <laughs> that um uh, I was very proud of that cat. But anyway, there's this fishbowl of all this film. And so what you basically learn is one of the roles of film has this has this scandalous thing happening and it involves drugs and a senator. This is all revealed all around this twist, which we haven't said yet. And there's this like evil henchman drug dealer who yeah. is the bad guy like like in the last 20 minutes and he has like one scene before yep. I don't even like not yep. anyone you know very bad but no he's like not in the movie yeah prior. and it's not a great performance yeah. it's it feels like a henchman who like got took over for the to, villain yeah. who's not in the movie yeah. basically anyway 
almost like Gary Busey and Lethal Weapon, but kind not, of. But Busey's not as good. great. But not as yeah, good. Busey's great in Lethal Weapon. And so, um, so then Hoskins is pressing Crystal, and what you learn is. He's like, who are you trying to protect? And she's like, my baby no. that I had with Denzel, Denzel Washington that he doesn't know about. That's right here. Here's this baby. And in the classic Hollywood like filmmaking fashion, it's like a baby that's ostensibly two months old, but it's clearly eight months old. Not that that matters. It's like a toddler. It's just it's like, hysterical. It's like that baby was not just born. That baby is like growing. Yeah. He's okay. Like... And so that changes the whole thing because, of course, now Denzel has the son, but he's dead and he can't touch the son. And Hoskins feels betrayed and da 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 da. And it's just so terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and like I said, the balls on this movie, I mean, it's just. It's got everything. It's, it's got. Doing everything. And yeah. look, another thing I wrote down was this is what happens when 48 hours becomes high concept. Yeah. You know, like this is somebody, you know, this is. Eight years after, right? Eight years after 48 hours. Is this even after another? No. Well, the same year. I think another 48 hours came out in 1990. But so you basically, this is, I mean, look, this is a great indication of that, of this weird time. I mean, this is a weird time period. I always think for Hollywood, the late 80s into the early 90s, it's a weird time period because it's, you know, the the opulence of the 80s is kind of that that high same year's ghost kind of right? coming down movies like ghost no same year's ghost yeah. movies like ghosts are the big hits um so it, it's everything everything's in transition you know what i mean it also so, feels like everything's uh it feels like everything's getting made like it feels like i guess nobody because but like the, my point being, the fact that a heart condition came out in 1990, it could only come out in 1990 right. because it's 48 hours, it's lethal weapon, you know. So it's like, oh, what if we and did that? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What if we did? What if we did black white buddy comedy, but added, you know, three other subplots? Yeah. And then you know, it's also this weird time. And we were talking about this before we started recording. People are like, you know, Hollywood is like maybe Bob Hoskins was yeah. the reason we all like to frame Roger Rabbit. He's in Super Mario Brothers, right? right? Like he's getting movie star yeah. shots at like, you know fifty years old or yeah. you know like this like very accomplished British actor <laughs> is now like almost like an Anthony Hopkins thing. Is like people are like, yeah. oh, but he, obviously with Anthony Hopkins, it was more Works. you know yeah. it, it, it you know lasted for a little bit longer. So it's just a weird time, and obviously Denzel. Um, you know, kind of, kind of famously, didn't make a comedy other than the preacher's wife, which right. is really half a comedy. I mean, yeah. in R.I.P. Uh, Penny, the great Penny yeah. Marshall, who directed that movie, but didn't really make an out-and-out comedy till Two Guns. He literally right. didn't make a comedy for like a decade and a half, or even almost two decades. Right, and even that is like an action comedy. No, I mean, I mean it's, it's a like comedy. A- yeah, it's an action comedy. But my point is kind of active i think actively was fearful of comedies because of heart condition now there's a rumor that after he made this movie he fired his agent because of this movie right there was a on the ringer um which is a website we love here um they had a denzel week i think last year or something like that and they covered heart condition and in that article denzel's publicist uh reported Right, was quoted yeah, as saying that's as, not that's true. Not true yeah. So that's a shame because is, you, you love the idea that Denzel that, was like, "Hey, look, movie. man, you're fired. This is insane. How, how did you let me do this?" <laughs> it's so it's um, I it's I mean, he's the, the second lead. No, right? you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's nuts. And like the 
you know, we can kind of wrap this movie up because it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's and Two Guns came out in 2013. So yeah, 23 years. Yeah. I mean, basically with a, with a preacher's wife in there, you know. And like there, I mean, it's one of those movies though. I will, I'll say this. If you haven't seen this movie, even though we just spoiled it, uh, watch it. It's, I do think it's worth watching because it is just, I don't know if it is. It is. It, it, is, it was hard it for me to get just, through this movie. No, like I, I don't even think it's that fun, like in a bad way. I found it kind of boring. No, it is. I mean, it, you know, it's like, just bananas. It's fucking crazy. And like, I, I don't know. I, I would, if someone was like, what is heart condition? I'd be like, just watch, see for yourself. I mean, <laughs> I would see this. It, yeah. Watching it. One thing that I don't love that I feel like is a common, easy, like thing that people say about Denzel is that he's, oh, oh Denzel is always playing Denzel. No, it's stupid. And I, I hate that argument. And so. If if you want to see him doing something you haven't seen him do, I guess watch Heart Condition. But my thing is like, it's got to be one of his worst performances. Oh yeah. So I, I don't so. know. I there's you know I would I would sooner be like watch the Mighty Quinn, right? Which is more of a comedy, and he's so charming, and it's and he's and it's such a good movie. And I'll say this: this is these four movies with a little Mighty Quinn before. This is sexy Denzel, right? And it's it goes away basically. This is Denzel yeah, trying is. to be sexy in his movies. I mean, not trying. He's well, no, no, he's <laughs> sexy as hell. But I'm saying you can. He's sexy as hell. But my point is, he doesn't need to try. Right. And he is trying yeah. in these movies. It's and very it's, over. It's I, too. It's too. I think the detriment of yeah. his career to some degree. Um. And and you know the next movie we're going to talk about. Uh, Mo Betta Blues, which we said is his first collaboration with Spike Lee, is the best of these four. And 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 he is it's the best of the sexy Denzel period we're talking about. He's sexy as hell in this movie. I mean, if we're going by pure, him and Wesley, my God. If you're going by pure sex appeal. Wesley Snipes is the basically the second lead. Maybe it's just because the movie tries harder and we'll get to it. But Ricochet. Russell Mulcahy is like, let me but take off I don't know that it's clothes. Yeah, I don't know as that it works as, as well, though. No, it, it doesn't. You know, like, but he's like, sexy in Mo Betta Blues, like, in, in, like, he's in every way. Right. Right. He's just, you're just feeling it. And I think, obviously, you no know, offense to Russell Mulcahy, but, you know, Spike Lee's one of the greatest filmmakers who's ever lived, you know, my, in my opinion. So, you know, obviously, the way he's framing Zell, the way he's lighting Zell, yeah. I, you know, He's rarely looked better than he looks in Mo Betta Blues. That's probably true. You know, he is, he's slim, he's trim, he's, you know, and so Mo Betta Blues is, is it basically, I mean, it's basically Spike Lee's music epic, right? I think kind of gets lost. I think people think of it as a small movie and it's really not. It's actually, when I was rewatching it last night, I kind of, I, even myself. It's like I, a generational I, I, movie. I think about it like it's, oh, that's, that, oh, yeah, that movie Spike made with his dad, you know, Bill Lee yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, composed a lot of the music. And this but was before Spike Lee's a, dad is a, a great musician. And um, and Terrence Blanchard, who composes a lot of Spike's movies now, was in, uh, was collaborating with Bill he Lee. He does, doesn't he double for... He he might for yeah he Denzel might yeah he might movie? Terrence Blanchard he yeah. might it's and uh, Terrence Blanchard is is one of the greats uh, yeah. in terms of uh, movie scores but anyway um, so it's obviously a very personal movie for Spike Lee Spike Lee's still young this is only a year after obviously uh, do the right thing um, and this movie I do think is still underrated I mean this is almost I keep when I was watching this I was thinking kind of of something like New York New York you know the Scorsese's movie which is also I think a little underrated also kind of an epic in a way. Um, and basically, um, 
Denzel plays Bleak Gilliam, who is the leader. He's the trumpet trumpeter and leader of a jazz band. And Shadow Henderson, played by Wesley Snipes, is the saxophonist. Spike Lee himself um, is the band's manager, who's kind of like negligent. Um, he's got a gambling problem. Right. He's not good with their money. But he, it's kind of like the almost famous thing. He's Bleak's friend. Yeah, and yeah, all yeah. the other band members basically know that shit's not going right. And you, but Bleak is defending his friend. His name's Giant, and the joke is he's very he's small. Very, ha ha. Yeah. Okay. And I think Bill Nunn is in the band, the great Bill Nunn, who passed away not too long and ago. Just sorry, just to correct myself, Terrence Blanchard like trained Zell, Zell, yeah, to like mimic. Very. Yeah, I don't think Zell does the playing, right? I think it's a lot of no. It's I think it's yeah. all it's all fake. I mean, they but, do a great job. Yeah, yeah. You believe it? You, yeah. So, you it know, looks like yeah. way to go filmmaking. Um. Yeah, this movie's great. I don't know that we actually need to spend too much time on it because this is like we talk about the B-side. It's a B-side, I guess, but in a way it's almost not because it's the beginning of this great collaboration. Yeah, this is the first of the great... I mean, those... Look, people have a lot of, I think, divisive opinions about Spike Lee because he makes divisive films. I will always... I mean, he is... Speaking as a creative person in my own, you know, whatever I do, he's top five for me. I come back to him all the time. And every time I think like, oh, maybe not, you know, he he just is. And even if the movies he make, like A Black Klansman, I liked a lot. It's not in my top 10 of the year for 2018, but it works, right? And even the ones that are like famous debacles, like She Hate Me right. or Girl Six, right? These movies. I still kind of, Red Hook Summer, right? Is kind of this overlong, you know, melodrama, obviously set in Red Hook, Brooklyn. I still love what he's doing and trying to do. He's just, he's such an auteur, and this, right? I and mean, this and I movie, love that about this him. movie's huge with that too. Totally. There, there, there are moments in this movie. There are amazing I, moments. So, I had never seen it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I had never seen it before. We decided to do uh, this, this sort of string of movies, and uh, you know, he lights things a certain way, and you can see a little bit of like early spike in there if you look. If you look, especially obviously at like later films and where some of that stuff comes from initially, and where it sort of had its uh, inception. But th- you know, I was kind of waiting for like a, a super Spike Lee moment, and there is a scene right in where, the middle. Yeah, right in the middle. Where, well, basically setting it up. Bleak yeah. is uh, he's a playboy, right? So right. he's got a. He, he's got a girlfriend and then he's got a, he actually got two girlfriends and he's openly kind of like, yeah, I'm fucking whoever I want. Right. I mean, that's yeah, like they his. both kind of know, they both kind of know, the other, yeah. but they're like, don't be shitty about it. And whilst this is happening, Wesley Snipes is basically trying to, you know, coup d'etat the band slash maybe leave the band slash, you know, you know, he's doing these solos that are, you know, an hour long. And, yeah. you know, Spike Lee keeps telling Denzel, like, don't let him do that. And one thing, I'm totally going off on a tangent before we talk about this great scene. How fascinating is it now watching, That Wesley Snipes is that the one. That it's Wesley yeah, Snipes it's and Denzel. It's, it's literally like in real life them vying yeah. for like the throne of, you know, there can only be one famous black actor yeah, right, in Hollywood. Right, right, it's right. insane because yeah. it's when you think about it, Wesley Snipes is about to explode, right? Right, with Passenger Fifty Seven, with a bunch of other movies coming up. Right, he's about to be in kind of his, you know, peak Wesley Snipes action star, and Denzel's about to just hit him with a knockout punch in a, in a way, and like kind yeah. of be like, okay, 
nice try, but you know, I'll see you your, you know, uh, drop zone and raise yeah. you Crimson Tide, basically, yeah. right? And to watch while this also movie, being like, I'll let you know what the Oscars where they're like, like, like right? They're it. like collaborating, <laughs> but they hate each other, yeah. and they're. There's got to be some real shit yeah. in there. It's yeah. I that was my favorite. It feels part real. If you know, it's great. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Like a really... Go back and watch yeah. for that. Is fascinating to me. But anyway, the scene we're, we're referencing. So basically, uh, it's this like not even technically a montage because it's meant that these things are supposed to be happening. He's having a two, fight with at, both women. Yeah, at two different times in two different places, but it is shot. And cut right. as if he is sitting in the bedroom with both of them at the same time. Well, and the eyelines are such that when he, he's looking right and he's talking with Indigo and he's looking left and he's talking with Clark. Yeah. And it's lit in such a way where it's like it's meant to in, in some moments feel uniform and then in other moments feel totally different in, in the colors, that, like the neon colors that they're choosing to use. And it's just brilliant. And it's, I mean, and it's, brilliant it's, it's great because it's a it's such a beautiful moment in the movie in terms of like... It's like a 10-minute thing. Yeah, and, and Spike Lee kind of really choosing to be like, this is basically, at least emotionally speaking, uh, in the emotional half of the movie, kind of the, all of his chickens kind of coming home to roost a little well, bit. Well, and also speaking to the fact that like a lot of artists, and this is obviously talked about in many a movie, and, and is obviously a fascinating sub- subject when you talk about creating art. He doesn't care about either of these women right. a- anywhere near as much as he cares about his trumpet. Right. And that's the whole point of the point movie, movie, kind right. of. I mean, he's isolating himself throughout where someone like Shadow, Wesley Snipes' character, kind of doesn't have that drive, right? That's kind of part of this whole, you know, the trajectory of this movie to some degree. So he is in the scene where the women are bringing all the emotion and Zell is giving this kind of great reactionary performance that's rather cold and he's more aggravated and confused than than like affected. Yeah. And he's more just like, I just, I need to practice my try. No, and what's, <laughs> just, and what's, it's a really great performance. And I think even what, what Spike Lee does with it is really great. Uh, it, I think it's aged pretty well too, considering like it is a movie about a great artist thing, right? So it's like one of those movies that you know you're sort of um, you don't run into that shitty thing where people are expected to put up with a piece of shit because they're like a genius, right? Right, right. And uh, and I think, granted, the movie runs with that a little bit, right? Like Zell basically tries to just continue to be an amazing trumpet player, yeah. Uh, and ignore all these people in his life, and, but it doesn't. And them like it shit. doesn't justify. No, not at all. Right. And it's and I think it's super smart. And I, you know, I think it's it's a really graceful way to handle that kind of story because you're kind of like, oh, like you can you can kind of have the cake and eat it too, or eat the cake and have it too. Sure, sure. Uh, but because you can kind of see that he's this amazing trumpet player, but also be like, yeah, but bro, you gotta like. No, and look, you and gotta look, shit or get off the pot a little Spike bit. Lee, like, and it's there's it, so it's much handled really well. There's yeah. so much confidence yeah. in his directing and his writing. I mean, the guy's name's Bleak, right? You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just I have so much love for how great Spike Lee thinks he is. Sure, <laughs> and but I, I mean that truly. I think that is so impressive in so many ways. And obviously, you can go left. You know, sometimes, and we already mentioned some of his debacles. Miracle at Santa Ana is, yeah, that's a huge I mean, one. a huge one. Yeah. But point is, 
I'll take four more Miracle at St. Anne's if it means we get another Black Klansman, right. if we get another Do the Right Thing, if we get another Malcolm X, if we get another sure. uh, Mobetta Blues, right? So great movie, best of the four we're going to talk about. Seek it out. Um, it's available uh, all over. Uh, and so this next one is Peak Sexy Zell. Yes, I would. Um, I mean, at least in terms of like on this movie screen, is like, uh, uh, this movie's insane. Yes, it, uh, it's called Ricochet. It's We've better, been talking about it briefly. John Lithgow yeah. is basically the co-lead. He's the villain. Um, yeah, <laughs> ninety one. Okay, so Heart Condition Mo Betta come out in ninety. This is October ninety one. Ricochet comes out. Uh, Warner Brothers movie. Russell McCahey directed Highlander. So he's like a semi-hot director. He's got a few shots coming. He does the real McCoy with Val Kilmer, right? He's got a couple of things. And then he kind of comes and goes. And I think he does a lot of TV now. He's still around. He's still and he got his start. He was Queen's like music video director. Um, that's right. That's and, right. That's right. And that's part of the reason they did the soundtrack for, for Highlander, for Highlander. And, and all that. Um and I mean, Russell Mulcahy is a perfect distillation of this time period. Yeah, for like sure. Like for a director. Yeah. You know, a music video director, mid-80s into late-80s into 90s, and Ricochet being a relatively big studio release with a young hot star, Denzel Washington, coming off an Oscar win directed by Russell Mulcahy is like so of its moment. Yeah. And even the plot and take it away yeah, yeah i mean the wow. plot to this movie it's it's a little nuts but it's not the movie is more insane than, than the plot it, than it, it's that's plot would suggest. true it's plot just sounds kind of like a really sort of syrupy like thriller like it's basically you know like taking everything away from the movie just yeah, this describing is a sleazy it. It is about, thriller it is about a cop a hot shot cop who takes down like a maniac Criminal. At like a carnival, right? Yeah, it takes down like a maniac criminal, puts him in jail, right? Then because it's well publicized, he's like a hero cop. Well, because he does he this rises. whole thing where he like shoots him. You know, there's a standoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he saves lives. And he like takes and, off his clothes, yeah. and he's all yeah. sexy. We'll get to that. In a sec- we'll get to that in a oh second. My God. But he basically rises through the ranks, becomes an assistant district att- district attorney, and it's this thing of like he's he's like a, he's still ever a hero. In and ter- let's in terms just of say like, what Denzel's name is in this movie, Nick Styles. Nick Styles. It's a but but again, it's like less insane than Napoleon. Stone, right? Like it's eh, Nick it, style. On paper, this movie isn't. It's a trashy thriller, but it's not like insane, right? Yeah. So while he's rising the ranks, um, John Lithgow, who is the maniac yeah. he takes down, is like fuming in and planning in prison and, and, and like plotting his doing revenge. insane things in prison. Which, Basically, ugh. escapes and then tries to exact his revenge. Well, that's all I'll say for now. But so on paper, it's not. It sounds like a fine whatever thing. And uh, real quick, I did learn. Um, rewatching it, that this movie is in the same universe as Die Hard. How? Why? Uh, so it's. Oh, I well, know a, this. It's produced by Joel Silver. Oh, I but, know this because of the uh, Marilyn Trainer. That's yes. who she's the psychologist in Lethal Weapon. Yes. But in this, her name is Gail Williams. Uh, and I've read about this, and sh- that she is the same character that like reports on the Nakatomi. Uh, that's Plaza right. That's thing. right. That's right. So what's it's appropriate? Yeah. And what's weird about this? <laughs> what's weird about this movie is like so it takes place over the span of uh, several years. 
And because he, it starts, he's the young cop. He puts Lithgow in jail. Lithgow's there for, I think, from like nine. It Like, it's meant to take place in 91 through most of it. Gail Wallens. Wallens. Gail yeah, Wallens. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and it's meant to take place. Uh, she passed away. Yeah. May, 2015. May she rest. Oh. May she rest. Um, but basically, um, it's so somewhere in the middle of John Lithgow being in prison, the whole Nakatomi Tower debacle happens Gail had in Los a, Angeles. Gail had an interesting uh, career. What a career. Yeah, covering what a career. all of the stories. Well, yeah, the movie it, takes place in L.A., right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so there you go. Gail yeah, Wallens. It's L.A.'s own. It's nuts. It's My nuts. God. Um, but basically, uh, just to now give specifics on the movie, so Denzel, uh, his partner is Kevin Pollack. Movie opens up. He's playing Kevin basketball Pollock. with Ice T. Yeah, and, and the, yeah, the Ice T subplot. I forgot. It's about a little, it's a little weird. Basically, Ice T. The beginning of the movie, you get the idea that Zell and Ice have been uh, have been f- friends. Yeah, there's friends this idea that, like that you know Nick Styles is like a man of a man of the people who is now made good, and he's trying to, you know, you know, uh, what, what's, what's the phrase? You know, rising tide. You know, uh, what's it? All ships. Like he's trying to, as he is growing in the community, oh, help the people yeah. that he's come up with. Yeah, Ice yeah. T is a criminal, but a friend. Yeah, yeah, like a childhood friend. And they're playing basketball, like and Nick yeah. Styles is doing Nick Styles stuff. He's killing it. Yeah. Kevin Pollock is not his doing partner. well. Not doing well. Oh, um, Pollock at the basketball. Yeah, but you know, and that's such a funny moment in Kevin Pollock's, yeah. like you know, stand up impersonator getting these like roles. Well, Kevin, he was like the sidekick to movie stars. Well, yes, for, yes, yes, for, for, a minute. for a significant period of time. Yeah. So yes. So basically, so, uh, and the only reason I bring this up is cause they, I, I only noticed this rewatching it, but basically like the basketball scene becomes important because that's where Zell and ice have their falling out. Cause ice T goes to grab something from his car and Denzel wall, Denzel Washington realizes that he like jacked it. And he's like, that's right. And he's that's like, right. all right, well, I'll see you tomorrow for ball. And he's like, no, nah, I don't think we're going to be playing ball anymore. And you're like, oh, well, I guess that was that. Like, it, it's weird. And it's then the, he comes and Ice like, comes back later. Yeah. And because so basically what happens is, right, the plot of this movie is um, you watch the rise of Nick Styles, And then when uh, John Lithgow escapes from prison, spoilers, he orchestrates. Nick Styles is down. And it is a, it is. I want to talk about the prison stuff real quick. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, let's look out in general. He's the movie is insane. Like there yeah. are scenes of violence in this movie no. that are unbelievable. And reportedly the movie was like way more violent. Um, and, uh, and, and Highlander screenings. is very violent. I mean, the guy, you know, Mulcahy's not shying away from violence. No, not at all. And it's, I don't even really have that much of a huge problem with it, but it is, it's just, you're, it's just insane. Like, Basically, uh, also there's a, a straight up Highlander reference in like the first part of the movie when Lithgow, like Lithgow's in prison, and I just can't. I'm like, where are the, are there guards in this prison? Like it cuts to this scene where he fights Jesse Ventura, yeah. with like a makeshift armor and, and swords. swords, and he and Mulcahy straight up replicates shots from the end of Highlander, which is kind of funny. Uh, but it's like, what? Who runs the prison? It's and also like, like, and also, who runs the prison? And like, who runs like Joel Silver? Like, like they made this movie. Yeah, oh like they God. were doing, yeah. they were paying to do, do it, this stuff. To do like, it. it's Mulcahy, crazy. Ref, go ahead, reference Highlander in this an extended scene, and like it's a just three like, or four minute scene, like crazy. Yeah, it's so fucking it's, weird. It, 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 
this you should watch more than Heart Condition. Oh, no, right? no, for sure. This, this is, I yeah. mean, currently on HBO Go, I think it's been on HBO Go. A lot of Warner Brothers movies yeah. are on HBO Go because um, I think there's an ongoing deal. So try to catch it if you're listening, um, if it's still there. It is, it does, it does really speak to this period of time because it's so out to lunch. Like, yeah. I can't even fully. And Lithgow, I mean, you know, this is a period of time, you know, post Harry and the Hendersons, pre-raising Kane. He's, you know, psycho Lithgow yeah. for a minute. And he he's almost as crazy in this as he is in Raising Kane. No, I mean it's it's a and if you've seen Raising Kane, that movie's insane. It is this a is bonkers performance. As, yeah, and I kind of love it. Like and and I mean, not even just Lithgow. Like Zell gives this performance that is like so. And to your point earlier about people being like, "Oh, Zell just plays Zell," and it's like, no, what? Like watch this movie. Like it's totally, different. Totally, and it's he's like. It's fucking. He's. Almost, I mean, this could have been almost like a cartoon character. It's, it's kind of. It's funny, like when you talk about. We brought up Tom Cruise earlier, just in reference to these kind of you know stars. Now, obviously, Denzel's a few years older than Tom Cruise, but got his break a little later. So their careers, in terms of years, chrono, you know, chronologically, they uh, they're sort of circling around each other. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. close. Um, though Zell is like nine years older, um, or so. Um, Tom Cruise could have played this role. Right, like this is probably the closest yeah. where, yeah. like Nick Styles could have been Tom Cruise in '91. Right, right, like right, sexy young, you know, yeah, playing playing older. Right? I think playing the only difference. Older. I'd be curious to see if this was written for Zell or like maybe not Zell specifically, but a, but a black actor only because only because the movie does. His rise to fame, there are like his detractors in the movie kind of like poke at it as being like an affirmative action kind of thing. Like, sure, he's, he's sure. this, you know, he's like this black golden child that they get to kind of elevate through the political ranks. Um, I'm just curious if that was like always a part of the movie or became a part of the movie. I, yeah, that's a good, and, that's a good point. I would have to imagine that's a rewrite when they cast Denzel. Right. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, it's of course, an, it's entirely, you know. it's entire, and it's LA right in the 90s. And it's like, weird because that stuff so. is actually pretty compelling. And then, but, the, but the movie is ultimately a, tra- a trashy picture. Right? Yeah. Cause then it's like, there's a whole scene in this movie where Denzel's raped. Oh, he's God. drugged oh, and God. raped. It's, it's like, and so it's this played was part of the movie like that, sexy. Yeah. This was the, the very, yeah, it's so weird. weird. So just like no 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 so this I, this oh, was man. I was gonna say before this was the part of the movie a part of the movie that got cut down significantly, uh, which I guess apparently you can see bits of it still in the trailer. But there is a moment, and real quick plot wise, we'll just I'm gonna speed through. Yeah, it, but like basically, Lithgow escapes from prison in a fucking insane like. A parole board, like he, uh, he like coup. works with the Aryan Brotherhood, which is I think why the sword fights in there because it's his like getting in yes, with them. But basically, is, he yeah. gets in with the Aryan Brotherhood. They help him escape at his parole hearing, and he kills everybody with power tools. Like so a dude gets a buzzsaw in the chest, and like I don't know who decided to give the Aryan it's so disgusting power tools. It's, so it's such a weirdly set up scene, but it's so contrived. Uh, they escape. He shoots a guy in the leg, which is where Zell shot him before he puts him away. And then they burn the guy in a van to convince people that that was. Uh, oh was right, Lithgow, that's right? Lithgow. And that's before right. that right. happens, his like lackey on the inside swaps their dental records so that people think that right. that anyway. Um, so it's it's a whole thing. It's so contrived, but 
basically once Lithgow's out, he also somehow seemingly keeps getting his hands on like equipment, like surveillance equipment and cameras and all sorts of shit. It's so weird. And he and just to say his name, we haven't said his name. He's got a famous like three name oh, serial like killer a, name, like a Lee Harvey, Earl Talbot, Blake. Earl Talbot Blake Blake. is his name. Crazy. Anyway. It's insane. Um, So he essentially is now starting to exact his revenge slowly but surely. And meanwhile, Zell is trying to collect money to turn this like eyesore of a, a, they call the towers. Uh, It's like this rusty, just decrepit building. He's trying to turn it into, um, into a community center. Right, so he does this whole telethon, and at the same time, he's still this like rising, uh, rising dist- assistant district attorney. Um, so his, you know, his star is high, right? And uh, Lithgow donates money to the thing, yes, and then starts kind of following him around, and basically like records him in certain scenarios, so he gets little sound bites. Then. Knocks him unconscious, kidnaps him, right? Uh, and so Zell goes off the map. Nobody knows where he is. He wakes up. He's in a like a pool, like an abandoned, emptied pool. And Lithgow injects him with heroin. And I will say, it's a it's a fucking like it's so absurd, but I do kind of love like messed up villainy of this one moment where Lithgow and Jackson with heroin and Zell can't handle it. And he's starting to kind of go unconscious. But before he does, Lithgow has this line where he kind of, he says, he's like, Oh, he's so sad because it feels so good. Right. Like he like, it's like a, it's like a kind of a weird little torture. Oh yeah. I mean, like we said, the Lithgow performances, I mean, it's insane. And he, yeah, he chews all pieces of scenery, but it's It's a lot of fun. And it's, and just to say, Steven D'Souza did write the screenplay and that's the guy who wrote Die Die Hard. Hard, Right. So it's Die Hard 2. Right. So, Um, you know, right, right in line, baby. Yeah. You could see a, a world where maybe like Die Hard 3 was almost, Cocaine Zell. was on this set. <laughs> <laughs> the set was made out of cocaine. Um, but basically, while uh, while Zell's all jacked up on heroin, oh, oh god, uh, Lithgow sets up a camera, starts playing back some audio of like a, another woman that that he recorded in a different, totally innocent scenario of like a voice going, "You got it, Mister DA," and like plays it back while he records. A prostitute that he hired, yeah, raping Denzel Washington. Oh God! And it's and then it like so this 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 uh, built scandal, you know, yeah. b- ruins Denzel's yeah. career. He, he releases it, ruins his family life, yeah. ruins his career, and then Denzel has to basically kind of like you know get dirty, yeah. and play by De- his rules. And Denzel goes nuts. Like this, yeah. his performance goes full insane, and like basically. Uh, basically, he he decides to like go to Ice T, right? And then is like, I need your help. And this is after, by the way, he's already gone to Ice T and sort of had kind of like drawn a line in the sand because Ice T's like dealing drugs out of the projects, and he's like, Look, I'm making this community center. You keep doing what you're doing, and I'm not going to prosecute you. But like, don't bring it anywhere near. Like right. the kids at this place, right, right? Right, right. So this is after that's happened. There's bad blood between them because you know two sides of the to the tracks and whatever, and uh, and so Zell comes back 
and he's like, hey, I need your help. And I need you to just tell me fun to take this guy down. So they basically, all, the whole big thing to it, because Zell's trying to prove his innocence, but the big stopgap in there is that he is that Talbot's dead, right? Uh, or Blake or whatever his name is. Right. Uh, and so nobody believes him because they're like, well, he's dead. Well, you're, you're clearly insane. Right. And so. Well, and he's disgraced as well. Yeah. And right. so what he does is he essentially brings Talbot to like lures him to the towers. They have this climactic kind of fight there. But the big part of it is Denzel needs the publicity there so that people can see like, oh, that's Blake. He's alive. Zell must have been innocent. Right. It's like this whole thing. And it's also one of those things, it's like the kiss, kiss, bang, bang moment where while Talbot's in prison and he's watching Denzel's kind of star rise, he, he said they do this whole uh, with Mary Ellen Trainer. There's this whole moment where she's like, the towers, they're rusty. They're an eyesore. We think that we're going to tear them this down. This is where the climax yeah, of no, the movie is exactly, going to happen. And granted, they do weave them a little bit more into the plot. Well, probably think that's going to come back yeah, later. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> or like the it's chef the, from Humphrey October. Yeah, or the like, cook from Humphrey like, October. fuck off with that shot. It's fucking <laughs> so crazy. But, um, but yeah, so then uh, they fight and he dies and Zell clears his name. That's it. And Ricochet. Ricochet, baby. Ricochet. Ricochet. A great title for a crazy movie. Perfect title. I yeah. love that title. It's, Ricochet. I mean, the movie, it's... We're definitely worth a watch. Yeah, it's just worth way, a beer, worth a watch. I like read. I like read the synopsis. I remember because you had told me to watch it before we even decided to do this episode. You were like, oh, you should watch Ricochet. And my girlfriend and I were going through um, like Zell movies. And, you know, I we appreciate a good trashy movie. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch this. And I just had no, I like did not know what I was in for. This movie is nuts. Yeah. You should watch it. Uh, well, and weirdly the transition to our final movie, which we'll spend a little bit less time on because it's really, it's a lovely little movie, but Zell, Zell's almost not as important in this movie. He's a second lead. Yeah. Mississippi Masala yeah. directed by Mira Nair. Um, who's a very talented director. She did a movie called Monsoon Wedding, which you uh, should seek out if you have not seen it. So basically, Missis- Mississippi Masala, which came out in um, 92, the same year as Malcolm X, like we said. Um, it's about an Indian family living in Africa, uh, Uganda, who has to move mm. because when Idi Amin um, Takes took power, yeah. he put out a basically uh, an edict where he was like, if you're not African, if you're not black, you better get out of this fucking country. We're going to kill you. Right. Basically. Yeah. Right. That's simplifying it. But that's, you know, Idi Amin, famously terrible person, last king of Scotland, <laughs> last <laughs> king of, famously terrible person. What an last, asshole. <laughs> last, last, last king of Scotland. It, that was uh force Whitaker played Idi Amin, won his Oscar for that performance. Uh, in that movie uh, in I think like 06 or something like that. So this Indian family has to emigrate to the United States because of this thing. It's very sad. They obviously love their country. And so you have... Well, and there's another... Sorry, go on. No, 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 go okay. ahead. There's, I mean, what's interesting, and I, I, I think it's one of those things like you, you know, because you know a little bit of history or whatever, but I like didn't really put two and two together initially. There's a whole opening to this movie where it's kind of, you know, the first uh, 15 or so minutes. I mean, it's not probably not even that long. It's probably like five minutes, five, 10 minutes uh, of them kind of leaving the country. And... Uh, uh, Roshan Seth, is that his name? I think so. Uh, I'll check it. You, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, forgive me if I horribly butchered it, but, um, you would, re- I mean, you know, most people I think would like recognize him immediately from, uh, Temple of Doom. Yeah. He's, he's, he's been in a he's, few He's things. been in a bunch of things. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, Roshan Seth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he plays, uh, the. Jay. Yeah. Who's Jay, the who's lead the f- character's dad. dad. Mina is, and you know Mina too. Mina Sarita. She was in Sean Homeland. She she's was been in, in a hologram. lot She was stuff. most recently Hologram for the King. Yeah, she's great. Uh, she's been on some, a lot She's of in Lady in the Water. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Sarita Chowdhury. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and she's great in this movie. Um, but basically, he plays her dad. The whole opening of the movie is him taking their family out of the country. And it is this moment of like, you know, uh, you're kind of like, is this the right? Like, what is this movie? Why is this Indian family in Uganda? And, you know, you you, you find out later the whole reason being that uh, Roshan Seth was there because his family was brought there. Uh, by the British to build the railroads, right? So um, once they, you know, they get into uh, the U.S. and we flash forward to 1990, uh, right? Which is, I believe, is when the movie yeah, takes I think place it's set in present. 90. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and Mira, sort of Mina, Mina. Sorry, Mira is the director. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do that the whole time. <laughs> um, Mina basically. Uh, you know, she has this meet cute with Denzel. They yeah. get in this little they car. They get in a, like a, a little fender bender. Fender bender. Yeah. Um, and Denzel obviously is a Denzel's meet. like a, like a lawn, like a laundry Car- Carpet cleaner. A carpet, carpet sorry. Cleaner. Carpet Owns cleaner. his own business. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Demetrius. Whole, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's um very, uh, like we said, very handsome in this one. Yeah. Handsome Denzel. Yeah. It's like, it's, he's kind of moving from sexy to handsome. handsome. This yeah, is yeah, 92. Yeah. He's starting yeah. to be, they're definitely, know, he's uh, late thirties now. Miranair. Definitely. I think there are certain scenes where like, not unlike Spike Lee, like she knows how to shoot him. Oh she God. Knows, you know, and it's like, yeah, and Miranair, we'll talk about her in a minute. Yeah. I have, I mean, you know, she is a victim of w- women not getting enough opportunities it's it's where it's, yeah. she's so talented. And anyway, but yeah, basically it becomes a, a, a Romeo and Juliet scenario. Yeah. I mean, it's you have this black family in Mississippi, right? And it's and it's really, I mean, when I because uh, I had never seen this movie actually until I watched it literally last night, and um, I, it, I mean, it was way better than I thought it was. It's a be. great, like I, it's a yeah, fascinating it's, it's cultural really, it's really, movie. Really, really good. You know? And I mean, like all parties involved, at, you know, clearly did their homework in terms of. Um, just, you know, the obvious interesting parallel of the Jay character, you know, basically being in Uganda because of slavery. Right. Yes. And, the, you know, and, and, and the obvious parallel to the United States. Uh, and there's this interesting kind of two sides of the same coin uh, hypocrisy kind of going on with his distaste for Denzel Washington. Um, but it's great. It's a really like wonderful. And Denzel is just basically charming. In this movie, yeah, right. It's not a. It's not, it's not his, a very it's intricate not his, performance. Yeah, it's or not. Something. It's certainly not his best performance. I wouldn't even, and I'm not knocking it, but I wouldn't even go so far to, as to say that it's that interesting of a performance. Like it's not like Ricochet, which is just like, but like just crazy, right? And I'll say this: uh, Sarita uh, Chaudhuri is great in this movie, and she was in a movie a couple years ago uh, that wasn't necessarily a great movie, but she is great in it. And that movie is called A Hologram for the King. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned it. Yeah. Do you mention? Do you yeah, mention yeah, that yeah, right yeah, now? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah more. She, yeah, she that's is, like the most recent she, thing that she is um, great in that movie. Yeah. It's it's Tom Hanks goes to I think Saudi Arabia, right? And um, uh, she plays Zahira, who 
he kind of starts a bit of a romance with. And it's just a kind of a lovely part of that movie. And, um, I, you know, like I said, not an amazing movie. Tom Twicker directed it. Yes. Yeah, so, um, sorry. Kind of came and went, uh, based on a Dave Eggers book, but, um, she's just a great actress. And I wish, I mean, this is one of these things when we talk about these movies, one of the nice things I had seen Mississippi Masala, uh, years ago and rewatching it. It kind of reminded me like, you know, you know, uh, actor who plays Jay, uh, Sarita, you have these actors who are just amazing. Yeah, and phenomenal. you're just reminded, you know, there's so many good performers out yeah, there. Yeah, and he, I, the, uh, it's, it's a little, I mean, this movie definitely, like, it, it was a, it was an indie darling when it came out. Like, people, yeah, it did yeah, make yeah, seven million. I mean, it did well. Yeah, for, and, for what it was, and it, it, and deservedly so. Like, it, it was announced Mira Nair to the, to the, you know, to yeah. the West, Western world to some degree. Yeah, and, um, definitely i don't know it's just i i don't there, it's again it's not like a crazy movie in terms of um you know there's nothing that's gonna completely throw you off or like where you're like whoa how did this movie get made what is it like uh it's it is you know a really fascinating uh just culturally rich uh um Romeo and Juliet tale yeah. and uh totally worth it yeah. Yeah, and so and just finishing it with you know, finishing with Mira Nair, right? In watching rewatching this movie, it's just I wish I wish we had a little bit more of Mira Nair in our lives. Not that she hasn't been working cuz she has, right? I'm going to list a few of her movies, right? So like we said, this is 91 Mississippi Masala. She makes um uh a few other movies. Her kind of second breakout is Monsoon Wedding in 2001, yeah. which is uh highly regarded and very very good. And then uh, she kind of gets a budget, um, I think, from Focus Features in 04 makes uh, Vanity Fair with Reese Witherspoon. Right. Based on the book, which underperforms. You know, Reese is basically playing a villainess. So I think part of it was basically it came out right around when she was about to win her Oscar. So I think the world chooses, you know, uh, not walk hard, but. What's a, what's the you movie called? You might as called? well call it Walk Hard, Walk the Line. Walk the Line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you mean I Walk Hard, comes, the, be- the better of those two? <laughs> I, think it, I think it comes out where the world is kind of like, okay, we're going to give Reese an Oscar for this movie, Vanity Fair's this other movie. But then she makes this movie called The Namesake, which is based right. on uh, that, I think, the Jumpa Lahiri book, which is a great book, pretty good movie, Cal Penn, right? And then she gets another big budget for Amelia. Which is the With Richard, Richard Gere, Gere and Hillary, Hillary Swank, Swank movie, yeah. and it underperforms and it kills me because if you are a woman in Hollywood, <laughs> that's your shot, right? Yeah. So like she, you know, and not that she hasn't been working since, but no, and and she it kills around- me because you have the reluctant fundamentalist, and she Disney did hire her to make that movie Queen of Cotway, which is right, which that's the Yango, most re- which is which I have not she- seen, but I've heard only good things about. Yeah. So that's. That, that makes me happy. But all that the more reason that she should keep... Like, and that's the thing. Yeah. I just It kills me when you have this thing where it's like, oh, Jason Blum, you know, he says it has a quote about not hiring, you know, female directors yes. for horror. And not that yeah. horror movies, not that Mira Nair is the first person you think of, obviously, with a horror movie. But it just speaks to this thing that I, I hope continues to change where watch, you know, watch a movie like... Um, Mississippi Masala or Monsoon Wedding. This is a director, you know, not unlike a Spike Lee, who has such a clear vision. And, you, you know, 
maybe she doesn't want the big budget anymore. I think we were talking, you know, there were reports that she was offered a Harry Potter movie. So, you know, maybe she's turned down stuff. I'm not saying she hasn't. I just, I want the Amelia's... I want there to be more shots. Is it is point. interesting to think, though, and like like we talked about, like you know, you have to think because not only was she offered a Harry Potter movie, but she was offered Order of the Phoenix, which is the one that basically right uh, put David Yates, who now has directed all of them, yeah, right since uh, into David Yates, right? David Yates, yeah, yeah okay. David uh, Yates, can you name the only non-Harry Potter movie he made since Order of the Phoenix? Can you name it? Quick trivia. I'll give you five seconds. You're not going to get uh, it. No, 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 no. Fuck, 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 fuck. The fuck. Legend of Tarzan. Oh, which I Which hate, weirdly hate did okay. Movie. Yeah, I, hate I think movie. I was listening to the Blank Check pod. Uh, shout out to them. We love, we love that podcast. And they mentioned that kind of weirdly performed well worldwide. Um, but he made that yes. uh, for WB. Yep. And they were like, all right, back to the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It, um, yeah, the movie's not good. But basically, you you have to wonder. It is kind of fascinating. Like, so she was actually taking the job. Yeah, and ha, and let's assume it's of the same quality, right? Like, let's assume that it's still as big a hit and everybody loves it. Is she then the person? Right. Is Mira Nair our Harry Potter? Our Harry Potter director, Shepherd. right? Like, yes. And that's and then her career's maybe totally different, right? Yeah. Like, and so I guess to that point, maybe you know, well, no, it's a blessing. We, I, you know, be so, directing Fantastic uh, Beast movies, right? It'd be so, fucking horrible. But yeah, look, I'm just happy she's still working. I I like to take this opportunity just to say she's a great director, and I hope we get another Queen of Cotway. I hope we get. I hope she gets an an Amelia like budget at some point. This episode of the B side was brought to you by Mira. Mira and I are. She's yeah. calling in now. Hey, Mira, how are you? Um, so. That's Denzel. That's the period of time we're talking about. I'm going to just quickly shout out a semi-B-side that I love. I think we both love. Out of Time. Yeah. Directed by Carl well, Franklin. And also his other Carl Franklin movie, also great, underrated, little crime movie, Devil in a Blue Dress. Yeah. Uh, if we weren't, I, I was thinking about this just before we started recording. If we were to not talk about these four movies... The other section in time, and who knows, maybe this is a future B-side episode. Maybe we do Denzel part two. I would love it. Uh, is that period that has out of time. It's out of time. John Q. Uh, well, he directs, right? So it's it's after the his second Oscar for Training Day. Right. But this is the so other one we talked training, about today. Yeah, it's after it's Training Day. It's John Q. Yeah, he directs Antoine Fisher. He's in Antoine Fisher as well. He's in it, yeah. but yeah, he directs Antoine Fisher. So it's John Q, Antoine Fisher, and out of time. And then it's... And then it's 04 is Man on Fire. Right. Which is not a B-side because I think we're learning that it's basically it's amazing. kind of a masterpiece. Yeah. yeah. That movie's great. Um, but yeah, so, you know, like we said, um, oh, and also, and also, the B-sidiest of all the B-sides of Denzel that it's kind of on its own is Fallen. Oh, Gregory with John Goodman. Whoa. Time. That, you want to talk about a crazy He's movie? That's side. 98. Yeah. And that movie is wild. Not great, but in a ricochet type of way, it'll go places. I mean, it is scary. I So I, I wanted to rewatch it because I had some sort of fondness about it. I think because the ending is like incredibly dark without overly giving too many spoilers away. Um, but it's the plot of that movie is basically Denzel Washington is a detective who is chasing the devil. Literally, yeah. that is what the movie is. And in my head, I thought of it as more of a thriller but if you watch it, just know it's a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it is scary. And I was, you know, 
I didn't, I don't think I adequately prepared my wife for that because I did not remember it that way. And we watched it and we were like, oh, this is a whole like lot of Like you thought it something. was going to be like the bone collector, but with the devil, Exa- right? Like, exactly. Yeah. That's a, that is Which exactly, is kind of another B-side. Yeah, that's movie. exactly what I thought it was going to be. Virtuosity, I don't think is a B-side because it's a famous kind of career oh, shifting I would love flop. love to talk about Virtuosity. Um, with Russell Crowe. <laughs> so um, Directed by the guy who did The Lawnmower Man. Um but yeah, I mean, any last thoughts on Denzel? He doesn't have anything in the pipeline right now. He was just on Broadway. I was actually, thanks to Connor, I was lucky enough to see him on Broadway in the Ice <laughs> in the Iceman Cometh. Uh, so you know, if you look at his IMDb, he just came out with the Equalizer two, his first ever sequel. sequel. Kind of an underwhelming. Movie. I want to talk about that for two seconds. Not so. Have you seen it? No. But okay. It, uh, um, but you yeah, did. Uh, like, what? Are yeah, he's thoughts? made a lot of movies with Anton Fuqua, yeah. right? So he won his. Uh, like we said, his second Oscar uh, for Training Day with Antoine Fuqua when Antoine Fuqua was a young director yeah. and has since worked with Antoine Fuqua a few times. He made Magnificent um, Seven. the Magnificent Seven remake, uh, Equalizer, Equalizer 2, Training Day. And there may even be one more. Am I crazy? I think I'm crazy. I think those, I think those are all the movies. Anyway, um, yeah. Equalizer 2 is kind of just an expansion of one, and it's not, there's nothing about it. Basically, it becomes more of a direct revenge movie. Melissa Leo, who is in the first one, is his like only friend. And she's like his handler, kind of. Well, was, right? Because he's no longer in the agency, and she gets murdered. And then, you know, they think it's one thing, but turns out it's another. Pedro Pascal's in it. Um, Bill Pullman, who is Melissa Leo's husband, is in it, not a lot. So it's kind of the the kid who is in the middle kid in Moonlight, who his name escapes me at the moment. I'll look it up as I talk. He's kind of the second lead to some degree. He becomes like kind of like the Chloe Grace Moretz character was in the first movie. Right. He's good. I like that young actor. Um, his name is gonna be Ashton Sanders. Um, very. He's got a bunch of stuff coming up. He plays Miles, and he played. Uh, he played Chiron, obviously, in Moonlight. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's not much to say. I mean, it's kind of a perfunctory performance. You know, it almost. I don't, it's a little disappointing because it's his first sequel, and it's exactly what right. a sequel you like yeah. fear a sequel that's, is going to be. And that's the only reason I kind of wanted to talk about it because he, for a long time, was was one of those actors. I don't like, think, never it, did a but franchise. I don't know that he did it. I think he, I think, the, I think it was a brand conscious thing, but I think it was also just like he never got his Mission Impossible, right? So, right, like you know, I think with you know with Tom Cruise when he when Tom Cruise made Mission Impossible, he made it as a producer, and he he made it thinking that it would be what it is, which right. is like you know, his, his lifeline, thing. right? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so yeah. he kind of was thinking about that. I don't know that Zell ever really had that. I mean, I yeah. think when he took Equalizer, which is like naturally basically a version of an old man action thing. Yeah. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Equalizer 2 made basically the exact same amount of money as Equalizer 1. So, I mean, you, I don't know, make Equalizer, Equalizer 3, right? I mean, if that's what you're trying to do. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of... The, Coming up next, look, I, you know, I love Denzel. I, I, I don't want Equalizer three, but I think he's. I know he's trying to make um, a, 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 a. He made Fences, obviously, which garnered a lot of uh, Oscar nominations and won Viola Davis her Oscar. He's trying to adapt uh, a bunch more August Wilson plays, so I hope that happens because right. I love when Denzel's in theater mode. Um, a lot of people, I know, there's a few people who say. 
offenses the movie feels too much like the play. I do not agree. I think it's an amazingly well-directed movie, and I think it does step outside of the plays con- of the confines of the plays, uh, the confines of the play setting, and I think it features arguably two of the greatest performances of this you know century of filmmaking. It says, I mean, that's the thing with him that I really, uh, really do appreciate is that like I don't think and and again when people say like oh that's just zell doing zell i don't know if i've ever seen denzel washington actually phone in a performance and i'm happy to, i'm like yeah i mean and if tweeted he, us and tell me i'm no, wrong and if him or whatever phoning but in, like, here's my thing if him phoning it in is the fuqua movies post training day right like magnificent seven equalizer equalizer two then you know he's the best phoner in her yeah ever. Exa- that's, that's kind of what, what yeah. i mean it's like you know it's like you know, if you know, when you think of phoning it in, right? I always think of something like Robert De Niro does meet the meet the parents, and it's an inspired comedic performance. By the time you get to Little Fockers, it, he's phoning it in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When he makes Analyze This, I don't know why I'm picking Robert De Niro, but it just comes. No, to no, no. Head. That's a really great. When example. he makes Analyze This, it feels inspired. When he makes Analyze That, it feels silly and a little phoned in, right? Yeah. So that Equalizer Two. Maybe feels a little phoned in. Now, is that the material? You know, it is a little bit, right? Um, Turn off your phone, Dan. Sorry, guys. But point is, I think if he's phoning it in, he's phoning it in better than anybody else. Yeah, no, and I think, um, you, you know, I maybe somebody might say that of like his later uh, Tony Scott collaborations, but like, I just don't think that's true. Like, I don't know. I think even taking a Pelham one, two, three, which isn't very good. I think he is good in it. And I think he, uh, he kind of brings a weight. He brings a weight with him. That's the thing. I mean, I think that that's the thing that I always appreciate is like every time he shows up, uh, it's serious business and it's, you know, and there's, there's an element there of, um, he fills the room, but I, in terms of like next steps and I think one of the things I'd love to see from him, I was thinking about this earlier. Like I was wondering what I was going to say. Uh, one thing immediately after I had seen uh, Fate of the Furious, I was like, I want Denzel Washington in in one of these movies. I think he's, I, been, he's been offered it. I'm sure he. I'm sure he has. Yeah. And it's I. I say I want that, and I'm sure as soon as I got it, I'd be like, oh, I, Yeah, I, I don't know. Do I you know I just don't think. I think he's been offered those roles and I don't know that he's there yet. And and he's like 64. So I don't know if he'll ever be there. Yeah. I mean, I, like, he's I, like a Lionel Barrymore. Yeah. You know, no, I just, I, I think I would love to see, um, I would love to see him in ricochet mode, but like as a villain, as old Denzel in, ricochet in, mode. No, no, no. But like in, and in, in something like a fast and fear, like just, yeah, I'd mean, like to I kind of that. see him give a, give a hammy performance a little bit. I, I think yeah. it'd be kind of fun or, yeah. or I would love to see, uh, I would love to see some equivalent of like, well, I guess Roman J Israel was kind of this, but like, you know, the dude he did the Pelican brief. I would love to see the verdict, but with Denzel Washington. Well, and that's right, like, well, that is what Roman J. Yeah, is. It kind of, and I mean, that movie, he, he gives you know, like a nuanced we'll, performance. We'll ride there. for that movie. That movie, yeah. was kind of shout out shame, to Roman J. Shamefully, I he, think ignored. He should have um, won an Oscar for it. He's so <laughs> fucking good. We got no, he did get nominated. No, but it's um, deserve it. It's great. It's a great movie. You yeah, should seek watch it out. It. It's, that's a, that's an underrated uh, picture. But yeah, I mean, or romance. That would be the other thing. I want I him to make him do like a a love, like a late later in life romance. Yeah, that's good. 
August Wilson first, and then everything else. That's, that's, <laughs> how, I, that's how I feel. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a thank you to Denzel's in order. He's you know a man, a myth, a legend. We love him, and we look forward to more from him. Um, look forward uh, uh, for more from us as well. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have another episode coming at you every two weeks, like usual. Um, subscribe to the Film Stage Show if you are not already subscribing. Comment anywhere. We're everywhere. We're SoundCloud. We're Stitcher. We're Spotify. We're iTunes. We're anywhere you can think to download these pods. Plenty more uh, Film Stage Show episodes coming. Plenty more B-sides coming uh, with Connor and other guests. Thank you for listening, and happy, happy, happy New Year. All's well that Denzel. <laughs>